We're going to start this off with a kitty hello. You don't want, you're just going to stare at me. Let me tell you guys something. It's hard. It's hard loving a cat as much as I do. Don't make Allie edit this all out. This will be a great introduction if you just knew. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Baby. That's all you're getting. She's not in the mood. All right, guys. <laughs> she's just, she's not in the mood to be a show cat right now. And that's just how it's going to be. Here we go. Lots of mic adjusting. That's what everybody wants to hear in the first minute of a show. Hi, everybody. It's a live show, which means I'm so grateful that you guys are out here with me. Oh, yes, indeed I am. That's exactly where I want you guys to be, is with me in a live show when I'm having one, because I have a very good time when I do, and an even better one when you guys come out. So, <clears throat> I got to stop being nervous, and I got to start accepting that I'm not on the stage like Hugh Jackman accepting a billion dollars for this. And so it's okay if it doesn't come out right, because you guys have been so supportive. I heard this song when it first came out. Uh, I had not heard of the artist. Just kind of found it on a random playlist. Sometimes when Daddy's listening to music, he listens to some pretty avant-garde or cutting-edge stuff. This gal has made it, however. And I just randomly thought of this song pretty recently. I think it's very cute. I think she's very cute. So, here we go. <clears throat> I don't like anyone better than you It is true I call a mile and desolate place With the snakes just for you Oh, I'm an animal Hand me a tramadol, give me the juice You are my citadel You are my wishing well, my baby blue Oh, oh I used to like liquor to get me inspired, but you look so beautiful, my new supplier. I used to like smoking to stop all the thinking, but I found a different buzz. The world is a curse, it'll kill if you let it. I know they got pills, you can help you forget it. A bottle it, call it medicine. I don't need drugs, cause I'm already high enough. Oh, you've got me, you've got me, good. Oh, I'm already high enough. Uh, I only, I only, I only got eyes for you, got eyes for you. Do you see anyone other than me? Baby, please, I'll take a hit of whatever you got. Maybe two. Maybe three. Oh, you're phenomenal. Feel like a domino. Fall to my knees. I am a malady. You are my galaxy. My sweet relief. Oh, oh, oh. I used to like liquor to get me inspired. But you look so beautiful. My new supplier. I used to like smoking to stop all the thinking. But I found a different buzz. The world is a curse, it'll kill if you let it I know they got pills that can help you forget it They bottle it, call it a cure But I don't need drugs Cause I'm already high enough 
You've got me, you've got me. Good. Oh, I'm already high enough. Ooh, I only, I only, I only got eyes for you. Got eyes for you. All right. That's what we do. I messed up. I went through it. I didn't apologize, and I'm not going to now. I wasn't perfect. Doesn't need to me. Just a dude sitting in his chair trying to sing for women who like it. Double flip off to anybody who doesn't think so. All that defensiveness. That's a great way to start a tip show, right? That's a great way to start begging for money, right? A bunch of defensiveness. A bunch of being all like, oh, God. I'm just trying to work through my ego. You guys can hear the better singing come out when it's better, right? And I'm just trying to get you to that point. That you can always hear it. I'm always giving you that much. Well, that's the beginning of the show. Uh, I'm embarrassed enough now between the cat not really saying hello at the start and the and the singing with a couple of airs. Oh, you're so sweet. I'll admit, it's kind of a hard song to sing because she doesn't sing it. Uh, when you listen to the the... The version of it, she doesn't sing it. She sings like every two lines and then like she doesn't breathe it. So seeing her sing it live, I was like, oh, I'm actually doing this okay. Because I was like, God, why am I struggling so much with this chorus? Oh, it takes all the breath that anyone's ever had. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, cool. I, I thought it was just me. <laughs> all right, guys, get your quick quotes ready. I'm just going to ramble for a little bit about just stuff that Daddy's been up to. So get your quick quotes ready. If you put it in quotation marks, Daddy will say it for you. Because you came out for him, and you requested it, and Daddy appreciates you. <sighs> okay, quick story. I've been in an amazing mood all fucking week. An amazing mood since Monday. I took Labor Day weekend off. My plan was I was going to take Sunday off. And then I was going to take a little bit of Monday morning off. And then I was going to record, record that Monday night. That was my plan. And instead, I got the greatest compliment. I'm going to tell you the story in a minute. The greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life on Monday. And so I just kept fucking drinking all fucking Monday, all Labor Day. And I said I earned it, and I ate junk food, and it was fantastic. I ate junk food for three days straight. I drank for two days straight. It was a real bacchanal. Uh, I really, really, really quite enjoyed it. <clears throat> so here is the compliment that kicked that off, uh, or, or, or kicked it into. I guess we can't call it turbo drive, according to Elon Musk. Guess, I guess turbo has a real specific meaning, unlike words like funding secured and autopilot and self-made and CEO of Tesla and... Oh, I'm sorry, you guys Elon Musk fans? And not racist. Those, all, those are words that Elon Musk can use with some degree of impunity. Uh... But apparently turbo is something that no other electric car maker could touch. So that's good to know, and everybody needs to know that. So just like Elon Musk, we have to get into some words here before we get into the quick quotes. So basically, the long and short of it is, I got this from a younger woman, a lady of the night, who's recently graduated from college and is going back for higher education. 
So she's in a real good mood. She's known me for years now, and I've known her for years now. She's a lady of the night. We've exchanged memes, and uh, mostly about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also sometimes about how much we don't like strict mothers. And I 100% never expected this story to come out of her. She has seen me at lower moments. I, at least twice, just got all up in her grill for her saying something that was definitely innocent, but I took the wrong way. So this is not someone that I thought would give me a big, meaningful compliment. But on Monday, while I was drinking and just kind of happy and showing off my body to any girls, like, I heard there's Patreon pictures. And I'm like, the first hit's free, baby. So I was sending out those pics, and I, all right, nobody laughed. That's okay. So nobody needs to laugh at my jokes. That's all right. We'll just be over here. And I uh, 100% am just not, you know, super proud of, of all the behavior I am around here. But I have been trying, not just with her or anyone else. And... I don't mean this sentence or this statement to be wrong. I never tried for her or anyone else. It's never about any person. It's never about getting an ex-girlfriend that I treated bad to forgive me or get back with her. Not to get too deep, but in Grey Knight culture, mistakes are never undone. Grey Knight culture, just like the ancient Egyptian culture, every mistake you make is eternal. A lot of people can't handle that thinking, so in Grey Knight culture, Grey Knight definitely doesn't say that shit out loud very often, especially to people with anxiety. But in Grey Knight culture, every bad thing you've ever done is permanent. doesn't matter if the person forgives you. doesn't matter if you've made over. It's done. It's forever. But so is every good thing. Every good thing you've done also lasts forever, can never be diminished or taken away from. Every good choice, every good decision, every good action you make also goes on out, is also forever and indelible. So the name of the game is put down more good tokens than bad, and you sweep it by having way more good tokens than bad tokens. But everyone has to put down good and bad tokens is pretty much Grey Knight culture, just to go through it superty-duperty quick. And so when I mix a wrong, when daddy fucks it up with someone, what he thinks of is how he hurt them. And he thinks, not how do I not do that again, or how do I not be in that scenario, or how do I not hurt that person, but rather, what was going on to make that happen? And how... Can we, the next time we come across a similar situation, choose a different path? Because we know that path sucks. So how do we choose a different one? Even if looking at that path, it doesn't look appealing to begin with, because we know the other one fucking sucks. How do we do that? That is Grey Knight culture towards forgiveness. You can never forgive me for doing bad to you. But I can do right the next time I am going down that path that way and I run into a singular situation with somebody else. I can then not do what I did before. And that's the closest I'm going to get in my own heart. This isn't how I judge any of you. 
This is Grey Knight culture. It's only for me. So, if you should accept that, then maybe you can understand what this compliment meant to me. Because it's not about the person. The person that I mistreated. It's about a lot of people that I mistreated. A lot of people that I wish I had treated better, that I had more patience with, at the very least. That I did not hurt as bad as they were trying to hurt me. A rule I try and live by. I know how bad you're trying to hurt me. I know how bad I can hurt you. But I'm not going to hurt you as bad as you try to hurt me. Even if I could do it more. So with that mindset, with that attitude, I told her I was very proud of her because she had come a long way and she had just graduated and she had just got into graduate school effectively. Her, her career's version of it. Big deal. She's happy and she's proud. And so I called her a good seed. And without hesitation, she called me a good tree. And without hesitation, I bawled. I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and then I poured another cocktail, and I put on an album that's very meaningful to me, and I listened, and I cried. And then I put on an old favorite episode of MST3K, and put on some cards, and I played them until I lost, and I cried. And then I played them until I won, and I cried, and that's how I spent my Labor Day. Crying. Happily. Because for the first time, somebody said I was a good mentor in their own language, off the top of their head. And for the first time, I believed it. And every time I thought I was a good tree, I cried. Drunk as shit, happy as shit, I cried. You are a good tree, I said to myself over and over. Which sounds like a really nice story, except the card game I was playing with Hearthstone and the card deck I was playing was Druid, and it has like five summoned Trent cards. So I kept summoning Trents, which are tree people, and every time I would see them, I'd be like, <laughs> So I needed a lot of fucking salt by the end of that fucking Labor Day, is what I'm telling you. I needed margaritas! So I made some. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to go full sympathetic, did you? I actually just openly actually wept. You didn't think I was going to keep my emotional vulnerability with you monsters at that level, did you? Go fuck yourselves. Have you seen the anons I sometimes publish? I promise I'm not just selecting the bad ones. I mostly try and choose the good ones. Believe it or not. <laughs> so... It was this incredible, meaningful compliment to me. It really, really was. And I'm sorry for this. Everybody just laughed. So if you put in a quick quote, put it fucking in again, girls. I know you're typing on your phones while rubbing your fucking pussies. Do it anyway for daddy. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so aggressive. I'm just in a really good mood. <sighs> Nobody's rubbing their pussy after that story. I don't believe you. If I've, if I've called you out, especially if you're listening to the podcast... After the fact, you're like, well, I'm not there live. And I like the voice, so I'm just going to rub pussy anyway. 
Girls, I love the emojis and I love the emotes. The only time we don't do them is when quick quotes are up. I'm so sorry. I know that's confusing, especially for new girls. I'm dyslexic as fuck, though. And if I can't find them, I can't read them. I'm like, I'm like Ron Burgundy. You gotta, I gotta see it right on the screen in front of me and then I read it exactly. I don't have the brain power to do otherwise. <laughs> ah, you girls are so sweet. Thank you so much. It was a hu- it was really nice seeing all your emojis, but then it wiped away everything I needed to read. It etch a sketched you etch a sketch with positivity all of the fucking work away. <laughs> ah, thank you so much for putting them back up. Just while they're putting them back up. Uh how to finish. Uh, the rest of the week, I've mostly just been trying as hard as I can. I've been feeling incredibly sexy. Anybody who looked at the patron pics of my body who are up there, the man meat pics and what have you, uh, and, and left a compliment, left a, left a kind word, booked a session or something afterwards, thank you. I appreciate you very, very, very much. Uh, you've gotten me to the point where this is a true story. I go to the gym late at night because I'm a loser and a loner. Uh, but also my schedule is I record audio at night while I'm in this shit house, And while I'm in this shit house, uh, my schedule is like wake up, sometimes in the night, sometimes in the evening, go to the gym, right? Work out real hard uh, for 5 to 10 minutes, sometimes 15, sometimes 20. Shh. We're getting up there. Uh, do my workout. Uh, so I'm all prepped. I'm all ready to record. And... After I get that done, uh, my workout, I'm alone. I'm in a gym. It's dark. You can see somebody coming up because it's a small gym, and it's dark. So you'd see the headlights, and there's no way to get to this gym on foot uh, in Albuquerque because Albuquerque is a fucking hellscape. So I'm very confident when I'm in this gym alone. And I, that's why I'm taking the pictures and shit while I'm there. If there are other people there, I could even one other person, I don't think I could do it. Just being real. So, this last time, I've been sashaying. I've talked about this a couple of times on, like, Patreon pieces and what have you. Around the apartment, I've been sashaying. I've been shaking my ass. I've been really feeling it. This is before the good compliment. This is before the pics went up. This is why the pics went up. I think this is why I got the compliment. And I 100% just uh, enjoyed it. Enjoy the sashaying. Enjoy my body. Enjoy my ass, my torso, the way things feel. I used to talk about, when I first moved in here, having to leap out of bed, having to leap out of bed. And now my body's healed and I've gotten in so much shape, I don't leap out of bed anymore because that would be too easy. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I just swing my legs out and the day has begun. I get right out of bed. Before you guys came here, uh, I got down up and off the carpet twice real quick to pet Mrs. Kitty on the carpet for all the girls who came here early to try and hype them up. And uh, when I did that, it's just so easy for me to get up and off the ground. I feel attractive. I don't know if anybody else thinks I'm attractive. I'm a huge fucking dude. So if I can move this fucking body, if I can pilot it like that, I'm a sex machine on the scene. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, and I'm glad you all agree. So, thank you guys very, 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 very much for all of that. I do appreciate you. Guys, it's time for quick quotes. 
Oh, I didn't say it. I'm so sorry about, about the gym. I set it all up about my body and what have you. So I'm moving past the mirrors after a workout. I've done my cardio. I was thinking about taking some pictures. I wasn't really feeling the pictures that night, even though I looked great. And so I'm walking past the mirrors. Quick quotes. Get them up. Last chance. And I'm walking past the mirrors, and I'm doing like a sachet that I would do, except I'm looking in the mirror like, ooh, ooh. Ooh, that looks good. Ooh, that looks good. Oh, that doesn't. Oh, that doesn't. Oh, oh, that doesn't. Oh, that doesn't. Okay. All right. Well, reset, reset, reset. Okay, try from the other angle. Okay, looks good. Okay, looks good. Okay, looks good. Okay, uh, okay, that doesn't. Okay, that doesn't. Okay, that doesn't. And the third time I was walking by, like with my ass out and my chin up, and I was like really like trying to practice, I learned about photogenic behavior. I read about photogenic behavior. I read two guides. I'm not fucking around. I want more money. And I I kind of did the whole thing, like the posing and the flexing, and I walked by. And I don't think that I looked that great. I'll be real with you. I don't think – I think it looks a little bit silly. But as soon as I did it the third time with all the posing and with that mindset in mind of we're going to get better at this, we're going to keep looking at ourselves, yeah, 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 yeah. When I did it that third time, it was so easy to imagine the helm over my face – and the nice outfit and the nice lighting, maybe a little bit of a cape or a shawl, something very effeminate, something very light, something very challenging with my big masculine but also throwing it out there walk that makes people go, huh? Because that's very sexy to me. I don't want to play with gender and I don't want to play with sexuality because I'm straight dude. But I absolutely, 100%, would love for a bunch of straight men to look at me and be like, oh, he has to be gay. A, a straight guy would not wear purple eyeshadow, uh, that much especially. And a straight guy wouldn't have that kind of cape. If he was going to wear a cape, it would be a Count Dracula cape. It wouldn't be this cute little Forever 21 fucking $80 cape that matches his outfit. But that's exactly what I want. That's what I feel good about. Like, I don't, I'm not going to wear Forever 21 shit to make anybody else feel anything. But I am if I think that fucking cape is going to fit with that fucking outfit. And why should I not stop? Why would I? Why would anyone? Why is anybody so fucking pent up? Yeah, I know. That's why I got all their fucking clothes because they were on clearance. I also got a fucking bunch of shoes from J.C. Penney's. Do you not know how daddy does shit yet? Kaka, I am King Vulture. I feel really good. I feel really sexy. I feel really, really confident. So thank you guys for helping me get here. Going to be a lot more man meat in the future, I do believe. There's going to be a lot more of that kind of stuff coming up. Hopefully a lot more singing as well. I'm just trying to get more comfortable, a lot more gaming. All of it. All of it. I've got a lot more energy. I took August off, essentially. Allie, Allie was out of America, or Allie was, we, I, I was working on this song this whole time, and it's not right yet, so you're all going to have to sing it with me when we actually port her to the U.S. for good, because Allie in America, right? Southern Garfunkel, anybody? Allie in America, and we're going to do that. It's going to be great. <clears throat> so, I took August off. And I forced myself to take a lot of it off, and I got kind of bored at parts, and I don't want to be bored no more. No, 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 no. I've decided what I want to be. I want to be sexy Elvira boy. 
I want to I want to be out here and the moment I get incensed by a Trump tweet or the moment that something becomes too thick or weird, I want to put on my Grey Knight helm, do a Sailor Moon transformation sequence, and just rock something out. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life, or at least the next few years. Who knows? But I feel it, and I feel real good doing it, and I'm this close to putting it out there. So thank you guys for everything. One last time. Before we get right on into only an hour delayed, so many false delays, quick ones. I know you can do this, little one. Daddy has so much faith in you. On sorrow floats laughter. Gunter Grass. Baby girl, what's daddy gonna do with you? Oh, you're shaking, little girl. Don't worry, I'm just gonna put your hand in between those thighs. Now, make those pretty little fingers dance for me. Oh, baby girl, you are so cute. Wear the dress. Yes, the black one. Take those knickers off, little girl, and climb into Daddy's lap. That's a very good girl. Let me pull those panties down and push you on the bed. (laughs) I need to fuck you now, baby girl. Babies, let Daddy make you tingle with his... One more, one more, nice and hard. Quotes only. Allie, behave yourself. Baby girl, I just want to cuddle with you. I need to cuddle with you now. <laughs> Quick quotes, guys. We're finishing up. The the worst, the worst, ob- ugh, the worst disciplined quick quotes ever. gonna get you in shape. Don't worry, girls. Daddy has his methods. Daddy knows how to get people walking in a line. Anyone else? Quick quote to finish it out with. Maybe a nice one. Maybe a soft one. Maybe a fun one. Anybody, especially new girls. Before we move into the requests for the evening. Before we move into the other stuff. It's a live show. All right, I'm just trying to time it out when I licked the edible batter. I think we're good. 
I think we'll be able to close out the show okay. I was a little bit worried, but the edible batter should mostly be digested by now. And I'm okay. You made it to the weekend. I'm so proud of you. Anyone else? Last one, Nadira. Thank you so much. No more. Leroy You ever play vanilla, Hearthstone, Kaiju? Good girls always bend over. <laughs> and I've always... Thank you so much for coming out, Felicia. And you such a good girl for coming out and requesting something selfish. All these other girls, they don't request something selfish, and I mean it, Felicia. Felicia, I'm so glad that you chose something selfish, Felicia. Something just for you, Felicia. See, I know that me saying your name makes you happy, Felicia. And so I like saying it. I wish more girls would request their names. Mm -hmm. I get a little thrill. I do. Come see me in person. I love whispering it right in your ear, Felicia. <laughs> and that's going to end quick quotes for us. What a perfect note. A new girl and a great request. Ah, let's move it right on in. Next topic, dog hospice. I'm just going to wait for that one to catch up it hasn't yet. So I've got a couple of different ways I'm thinking about making money. One is armed robbery without the armed, I think, so that if I get caught going to prison, I get caught and I go to prison, it's not armed robbery and it's my first sentence. So how do you commit armed robbery without a gun? You do it with a drone and a stun gun. This is my thinking. Just hear me out. Armored car drivers in the state of New Mexico now no longer drive with partners. This is a true thing. Armored car drivers, cash pickup drivers in the state of New Mexico, are now solo drivers in many instances. Thus is the need for non-felonious criminal employment. Several armed driver or armed driver companies in New Mexico have in fact released, relaxed, and release their no-felony, no-theft job requirements. True story. For their armored car drivers <laughs> that they're now letting drive solo. True story. So, <laughs> here's my idea. Find one of these assholes in their pickup schedule. Shouldn't be hard. <laughs> I mean, just think about the relaxed job requirements and then who's driving that truck. Just find someone's schedule and find a way to trail them without them noticing. I'm pretty sure I can do that pretty easy. Do you know how many homeless camps are around here? You don't. Nobody does. The city of Albuquerque is currently telling. It's hell. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to track them. So that's not the hard part. So then you figure out their schedule, right? You figure out their fucking schedule. And then. 
you attach a stun gun to a fucking drone. Why? I don't know if you guys know this, but drones are loud as fuck. They're really, really loud. You can't help but hear them coming. And there's something about the human biology that says, if something's loud and flying over my head, I should probably give it a fucking look-see. I don't know why. It might be because our species up until fairly recently was actually uh, preyed upon by giant birds. Which is a true story. Uh... Could be up until a few thousand years ago, birds were swooping down and eating our young and children left and right as a species. True story, we killed them all. Uh, that might have something to do with it. But for real and true, you hear a drone above your head. I don't know what you guys think a drone is. Like, you guys watch YouTube videos where people, like, make drones, and, like, you watch it from a camera distance that's, like, 50 feet away, and, like, there's audio makeup, and so you think a drone sounds like this. But even the tiniest fucking drone in the world is just... They're so loud. They're so loud. They're nothing but motors on a shitty fucking... <laughs> on a... It's, it's four fucking helicopter rotors spinning as fast as they can, as cheap as they possible, typically made out of fucking plastic. You hear drones coming from over the hill. So I just got to wait for the guy to go inside to pick up the cash, right? The armored driver. He goes inside. He picks up the fucking cash. He comes out. Ah! He looks up. Huh? I stun him. I stun him in his stupid fucking face. I take the money that he took from that shop, right? Okay? Here's the genius part, though. They leave their trucks running just like cops leave their cars running. So after I stun him, I come up to him, obviously in a disguise. I, I'm just going to be real with you. My disguise is going to be called Albuquerque Homeless. It's a very distinct look. There's a certain place in town where they all get their clothes. And that's exactly what I would do. I would go there and I would get clothes from them. Because the place where all the homeless get their clothes, this is true, is also a place where normal people can buy clothes so that the homeless can get them for free. So the homeless people, normal people, do in fact, normal people being good, homeless people being bad, that's exactly what I believe. Don't anybody question it. Don't anybody doubt it. I said those words, so I must mean it. Uh, but like legitimately, homed people and homeless people, should they shop and buy and wear clothing from this place, are wearing the same clothing. So I know where to go for a homeless outfit is what I'm saying. And so I would dress up like that, right? Okay? And I'd take the money that the guy got from that shop, all homeless up, because we're not people. And then I would leave him stunned with the fucking truck running. Why? Because there's so many fucking homeless camps around that between the drone and the fucking truck idling for too long, I'm almost positive fucking meth head's gonna take that fucking truck for a joyride with all the money inside of it. And then no cop in the world would ever be looking for me. If you do it right and you stun the guy from behind, he won't know it's a stun gun. He'll think a homeless person just got him real good from behind. So that's the first way I'm thinking about making money. Drone robbery. Here's number two. Hey guys, I'm already a prostitute, and I'm not willing to sell drugs, so I'm just looking at other options. 
Option number two. Play video games and don't yell at anybody. I'm going to just sell right now. This is the bottom option on the list. Option number two to make more money. Play video games, but don't yell at anybody. I'm just saying right now, this is the lowest level on the list for multiple reasons, okay? The first of them is that I would have to make an effort. Unlike the other options, where the effort would be, like, really fun, like tracking an armored car driver and then putting on a costume and then zapping him, that's fun! I would pay money to do it. The idea that I could get money at the end of it? Come on. That's amazing. It's like an escape room, IRL. I would love it. Number two. You all make me angry. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do when you make me angry. Am I supposed to take it? I did that for the first 32 years. That didn't work out for me either. So... What do you want? You're making... You're the one making me angry. There's 50 of you and one of me when I'm doing that shit sometimes. Of course it's on you. So that's option number two for making money. After armed robbery slash drone robbery, play video games but don't yell. We'll see how that one works out. Option number three, dog hospice. Hear me out. A long time ago, I wondered about people who started to get rich off their pets, off social media, like Gabe the dog, or or that cat, that stupid fucking cat from Japan everybody likes for no good reason. Her name is Mara. We all love her. She smells like green tea. All right, settle down. People started getting rich off their dogs, and this is a question for my Danish ex that I couldn't help but ask because she was very practical about such matters. And I said, if you were a person who got a dog, you take pictures of the dog, the dog becomes your paycheck, right? Like the grumpy cat, something like that. The dog just, the, the, the animal that you take pictures of that you love becomes your payday. Animal dies suddenly. What do you do? That's all I asked her. I didn't set it up or anything. And she goes immediately, get another animal that looks identical to the first. And I said that would never fucking work. She said, of course it would. It's an animal. And I said, see, you're, you're, you're fucked up. Your fans have identified every... They have looked at hundreds of pictures, they know that the inside of the paw spread of your fucking piece of shit animal looks like, they they know, like, they know intricacy in the exact same way a 19-year-old who claimed to be asexual in 2015 happened to know every single element of, uh, of Tom Hiddleston's life, wardrobe, and personality. Pause, because it's fucking hilarious, waiting for you to catch up. In that exact same way, the vans know 100% of what your fucking pet looks like. And you're not going to be able to do this. That doesn't even work in sitcoms with one dumb child. I can't believe you're entertaining this possibility. She's like, of course it would, of course it would. Well, let me tell you, I'm not going to link to them, because I think they've suffered enough. But the first case of somebody who had a pet die and tried to get a replacement pet has come out. And they were found out within 24 hours. Because it's going to happen, assholes. 
and now they're going to be broke and pariahs forever because instead of going, our dog died like the grumpy cat owner did, like the gave the dog owner did. You know the gave the dog owner could have fucking kept us going until now. In the Trump era, no one's going to check and see if Gabe the dog is still alive. If we hear the barks to a new song every week, we think the dog's still alive. It was the same barks every fucking week. So he could have lied. But he didn't. The Gabe the dog owner's like, no, our dog's fucking dead. Dogs. Let's have a sad one. <laughs> It's called dog hospice, so if you think that joke's over the line, get fucking ready. It's called dog hospice. The, sk- the, beat is- the bit is called dog hospice, so if that was too much for you, jump out now. Because here's the plan. All of those people who got those dogs and pets, those angry cats and those games, they all died suddenly and tragically. But what if that death wasn't sudden or tragic, but just part of your business plan. Hear me out. Don't kill dogs and pets. Hold on! Hold on! Don't kill them for money. We're not modest... This isn't... The name of this sketch isn't a modest pet prosal. Wait. A modest pet prosal. A modest pet prosal. Killing pets for money. A modest pet prosal. I'm wasted on you. I'm wasted on you. The name of this sketch isn't a modern, a modest pet prosal. It's dog hospice. Here's the plan. We find and identify dogs with very aggressive cancer. We're talking, we're talking real sick puppies. Only we don't tell anybody on the internet. Like, that's the first thing you do. You get the dog and you take a picture and like, This is my boy Roscoe. He's got cancer, but I love him. It's not what we do. I'm just the great nine. I'm very entertaining. People are into me. We find very photogenic dogs that just happen to have terminal cancer. And we take a lot of pictures with them and we say they're our pets because I don't put up a lot of pictures of our pets. And then once the dog dies, the owner tells me I come, I take pictures with the animal. Ah! Make the money. Jack, will you ever get another dog again? I don't know, my heart hurts too much. Jack, will you ever get another dog again? I don't know, my heart hurts too much. I love too much. Jack, will you ever get another dog again? You know, I think maybe I might be ready now. Now, here's the thing about a dog dying. A lot of you look at a dog death, and you're like, well, that's information people need. Rookies. Because I can just take all the evidence of the dog death and the reaction, and then at any given time in the future, when I most need you to be sympathetic is when I can release the dog death information. 
I don't have to do it the day the dog dies. That's what you were thinking because you don't know how to con. No, you get the evidence the day the dog dies, and then you wait until you have a book to sell or a tour that's coming up or just a talk show that you want to get out of because you think Steven Crowder's actually got some really good blackmail on you this time, and you're just all like... <laughs> Two, three, four dead dogs later. And I get an actual cute, healthy puppy. Puppy, not a dog this time. I get a real cute puppy. No cancer. Fingers crossed. Real cute puppy. Pound puppy and everything. And now everyone who's ever lived is more invested in that dog than anything else in the world. Because everyone thinks that I'm the doggy staircase killer. But nobody can prove it. This has been Dog Hospice. A sketch by the Grey Knight. I hope you all enjoyed it. These are three ways I'm thinking about making money. We'll see which one of the three I choose in the future. Those are the three I've come up with just to make some extra money in my free time. Now now that I have free time, that's what I've come up with. All three sound real entertaining. I gotta tell you, they have their pros and cons. I love video games, I love drones, and I love watching people cry over dead fucking dogs. So between the three, it's gonna be kind of hard to choose. But I, you know what they say? You know what they fucking say? If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. There's all these horrible stories about people, like, poisoning meat, you know, and, 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 and throwing it at barking dogs. And I really do think that's horrible. Because why would you waste the meat? Just kill the fucking dog, you coward. Jesus goddamn Christ. Okay, let's get into the poetry. Yeah, even that one after everything I said, you didn't expect it, did you? Even after everything else, all the other dead dogs are still like, okay, okay, I believe if he's talking about poisoning meat, the dog, I, I, you know what? I'm reinvested. He just got me with 10 different dead dog jokes in a row, but I'm willing to open my heart just one more time. <laughs> Save the dogs. Save, save the felonious armed guards. Pay the man. Pay me. <laughs> save the guards. Pay the knight. <laughs> it would just be my luck that I would taser somebody on the eyeball or something. And it would explode or some shit. You just know it. You just know it. That's why it's not a good plan. That's why I'm switching the plan from a drone that tases people, which could be dangerous, to a net. Net drone! And then that way, after I figure out how to get the net drone working and I can drop that on a security guard, best thing ever, after that I'll have money for a date, and then a drone that can drop a net on an unsuspecting one. Okay, into the fucking poetry. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> <clears throat> if suddenly she rears, pulls, pitches into the lightning, if she split sky strikes, splinters the glassy ground, her stride is a circle, growing smaller, 
When she sees the stars, all skies have storms, and she has seen them. And if she shines and starts, when she skids, when she lowers her eyes, if she stops to listen, nervous rider, beware. If Suddenly by Anu Lacan, A-N-U-L-A-K-H-A-N. Give me one second. Nothing went wrong. I just pulled up the lyrics from the song I was singing from earlier with my mouse button that says bring up the poetry. And I don't know how I did that. And I wanted to reproduce it, but I couldn't. And we're live. So keep going, asshole. <clears throat> Backing out the driveway, the car lights cast an eerie glow. In the morning fog, centering on movement in the rain-slick street. Hitting brakes... I anticipate a squirrel or a cat, or sometimes a little raccoon. I once braked for a little blind mole who did try, though. He could not escape a cat toying with his life. Mother-to-be possum occasionally lopes home, being naturally slow. Her condition makes her even more ginger. We need a sign. Possum crossing. To warn coffee-gurgling neighbors, we share the streets with more than trucks and vans and railroad crossings. All the birds being in the living kin of dinosaurs think themselves invincible and pay no heed to the rolling wheels while they dine on an unlucky rabbit. I hit brakes for a flutter of the lights, hoping it's not a deer or a skunk or a groundhog. Coffee splashes over the cup, which I quickly put away from me and put into the empty passenger seat. I look, relieved and exasperated, to discover I had just missed a big wet leaf, struggling to lift itself into the wind and live. Possum Crossing by Nikki Giovanni. <clears throat> like a sun on the heat of a sorrow, the sunset hangs on a cloud. A golden storm of glistering sheaves, of fair frail and fluttering leaves. The wild wind blows in a cloud. Hark to a voice that is calling. To my heart in the voice of the wind. My heart is weary and sad and alone, For it dreams like a fluttering leaves have gone. And why should I stay behind? Beautiful. Autumn Song by Sirogini Naidu. S-A-R-O-G-I-N-I. N-A-I-D-U. I went with the uh, Japanese phonetic. I hope that's okay. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, let's see. We'll save that one for the last poem, then. Oh, which we're almost at. So. So. We'll go no more roving so late into the night. 
though the heart still be loving, and the moon still be bright. For the sword outwears its sheath, and the soul wears out the breast, and the heart must pause to breathe, and love itself have rest. Though the night was made for loving, and the day returns too soon, it will go no more a-roving by the light of the moon. We'll go no more a-roving by Lord Byron. What a breakup song. Can you imagine if you got that after you were fucking him for a while? Yikes. Yikes. <clears throat> Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease hath all the shorter date. Sometimes too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often in his gold complexion dimmed. And every fair from fair sometimes declines by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair ownst, nor shall death bring thou wanstrest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this and gives life to thee. William Shakespeare, sonnet number 18. The final piece of poetry for the evening. We do have a little bit of love letter. We've been calling this segment prose. We're going to stop calling this segment prose. We're going to start calling this portion of the show love letters. Love letters do not have to be written from a man to a woman. They do not have to be written between romantic partners going forward. A love letter, much like the Frida Kahlo uh, uh, letter that's been read twice on this podcast uh, to the woman who's recently been divorced, love is love. We're not going to get too into it. You can wiki it yourself. But honestly, still to this day, one of the best definitions of love I've come across is the ancient Greek they have different kinds of love, and you feel different kinds of love, and we still use some of these words to this day. The love that you have for someone that you want to be near and feel is eros, or erotic. And everybody, whether they know it or not, who knows what Philadelphia is called, the city of brotherly love, then happens to know what philos is, brotherly love. The love that somebody has for another person, admiration, enjoyment of company, without any sexual attachment. I say this specifically because I want to call this love letters because love is good and love letters are special. Even Napoleon sounds rather tender when he talks to Josephine. So, going forward, if you have a love letter, love of any sort, love that you think should spread before we get to the erotic part, after the quick quotes, after the poetry, I would love to read your love letter. And here are two quick ones. 
<clears throat> Darling, my wife, one line in haste to tell you that I love you more today than ever in my life before, that I never see beauty without thinking of you, or scent happiness without thinking of you. You have fulfilled all my ambition, realized all my hopes, made all my dreams come true. You have set a crown of roses on my youth and fortified me against the disaster of our days. Your courageous gaiety has inspired me with joy. Your tender faithfulness has been a rock of security and comfort. I have felt for you all kinds of love at once. I have asked much of you, and you have never failed me. You have intensified all colors, heightened all beauty, deepened all delight. I love you more than life, my beauty, my wonder. Duff Cooper to his wife. And a quicker one. Here we go. <clears throat> Farewell is on my tongue, but I hold in the word with a wrench and still abide near thee. For I shudder at this horrid parting as at the bitter night of hell. Indeed, thy light is like the daylight, but that is mute while thou bringest me all that talk sweeter than the sirens, on which all my soul's hopes hang. Two forty one Farewell by Paulus Silentarius Translated by William Roger Patton Lovely choices tonight, girls. Lovely, lovely choices tonight, ladies. Just trying to see which of the two smut pieces we should read first. We're going to do both. Just trying to see which one looks like more of the amuse-bouche. Do people still say amuse-bouche? Is that said anymore, or do people just use appetizer? Is appetizer taken over the land, or has anybody actually said or heard or used amuse-bouche recently? As I pull this up, anyone? Anyone? I guess not. I guess it's just appetizer now. <laughs> Hannibal, that sounds about right. Would you like an amuse-bush? Not from you, because that means a happy mouth. And boy, howdy, I don't associate that... I don't either associate that emotion with you, sir. Or that facial expression. The more dour somebody offers you an amuse-bush, the more funny that is to me, now that I'm thinking about it. Amuse-bush. Thank you, Hitler. I'd love one. Mmm. 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 A little chewy. I meant chewy. I meant chewy. I meant chewy. Don't. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Everyone's laughing now. We'll see if I'm not on a fucking BuzzFeed article for that one someday. At one point in a Michael Jackson song, just before I go into the eroticism, this has just come up to me. At one point in a Michael Jackson song, just one song, 
Michael Jackson said Jew me. He says a million other things in that song that are weird and also end in me, like black me and white me. But at one point he says Jew me. And that was the only one that anybody was offended about. And there were way worse ones in there. And to this day, I still think like, man, like that word gets thrown around all the time, but occasionally it just blows the fuck up. I also love that song. Now, let me ask you something, Boney, before uh, we go any further. Do you think he wrote that song in frustration because he wasn't allowed to have sex with a 12-year-old boy or just because he was trying to impress one so that he might? Because when he gets aggressive, I'm always curious which it is. Hey, you watch the documentary, you tell me it was okay for him to buy that kid a ring. I don't know, I don't, for my official stance, since this is being recorded, I should have gotten this out during the whole pre-segment. <laughs> I should have gotten this out during the whole we're not being recorded segment, but fuck it, here we go. Here's my personal belief, I've watched the documentary, and I'll just tell you my opinions before we get into sex. Yeah, that's right, Michael Jackson, dog hospice, eroticism. That is the order of the show. I don't know. I have no clue, and I have no personal strong feeling if Michael Jackson ever sexually assaulted a minor in this life. I don't know. No clue. Honest to God. My gut doesn't tell me anything. What I do know, for certain, is that him buying a ring at a jewelry store for a boy, having that cashier ask who it was for, and having him lie and say it was for the boy's mother, is real bad news. I don't know what it means, but I mean, no, it means absolutely nothing good. So that's why I make Michael Jackson jokes. Because he did that shit, and even his estate ain't pretending that he didn't. There's receipts on that one, so they can't get away from it. And all I know is, if for every reason, whether I'm with a, a male or female 12-year-old at a jewelry store, as I so often am, I know, hey, I live in the world, it happens. Sometimes you walk into a jewelry store with a minor, a prepubescent minor. That's life. Hey, we've all been there. But should you see me in there, talking and whispering towards them and buying them a nice ring and you know it's for them and then at the last second I go, oh no, it's for her aunt. It's okay to call the police on me. I give you permission. You're wrong. It's fine. It is for her aunt and I am going to go and fuck her. I promise. But it's okay that the police stop us. I promise. It really is. I totally get that intervention. It makes a lot of sense to me. I could have chosen a lot of the aunt's friends. I could have chosen any. I could have done anything with them. I chose to bring the 12-year-old girl to the jewelry store as though that wasn't the suspicious part. And then when asked about the multi-thousand dollar ring, went, Oh, shit! Wait, is this suspicious? <laughs> oh, shit! I'm not used to people questioning me. <laughs> is this suspicious? Oh, no. Uh, 
I guarantee you, at the very least, I will have told the 12-year-old the lie beforehand because I know how dumb they are. At the very least, if I'm going to try and convince a 12-year-old to go in on a conspiracy with me, I'm going to give them their fucking lines first. Here's our cover story, which we desperately need. Minor, minor along accompanying an adult into a jewelry store. Yeah, that's right. I just put down my cards about Michael Jackson. Come at me. Because I said I don't know if he's a pedophile. I just know he engages in a lot of pedophilic foreplay. That's all I know. So that's all I'm going to attest to. Hey, real quick, just so I can throw somebody else beneath the bus, just so you don't think this is about Michael Jackson, let's just take out Rob Lowe real quick. Rob Lowe, fuck that guy. I've always hated him. Rob Lowe, at one point in his life, when he was very successful, set up a camcorder to videotape having sex with a 15- and 16-year-old girl so that he could then show, he could then show that fucking videotape to his friends. That's a true story. You can look it all up. You can read it up. Yeah. Okay. He did that. He said, I want to videotape myself having sex with a 15 and 16 year old girl in a threesome. And after I tape it, I'm going to show it off to my Hollywood friends. Okay. He did that. Now that's horrible. All right. That's bad. We can all agree. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But even if you do do that, here's why Rob Lowe will always be an asshole for me. He blamed it on alcoholism. He blamed it on alcohol. He says it was alcohol that made him do that. And I've drunk way too much at some times in my life, just like Labor Day weekend, but for longer periods because I had a little bit of a drinky probably, mostly because of my back painy. But I find it skeptical to believe that alcohol was the cause of that, Rob Lowe, given that when I get really drunk, I yell at women who get too aggressive in my DMs, and I sing show tunes. That's what alcohol does to me. I'm not saying it makes me a better person in any way, but I sure as shit don't set up premeditated a recording session to have sex with minors with the explicit idea that I'm going to show it to some friends later for some high fives. In fact, the more booze I've had, the more I can guarantee you that's way too many steps of any plan for me to engage in, because eventually I get drunk enough that ordering a pizza or Grubhub online is just too much of a hassle compared to going to the kitchen. True fucking story. True fucking story from a true fucking drinker, okay? <laughs> not only does alcohol not cause that... <laughs> I'm pretty sure alcoholism does the opposite. Or Denzel Washington's movie Flight really had a lot of missing interesting scenes that it needed. Okay. Moving along. That's Denzel Washington's movie Flight. We're not we're not thumping Denzi yet. He's got to go Denzel Washington has a special place in my heart. So he's got to do something real bad for me to thump him. Denzel Washington was the only man who was willing to fight John Lithgow. It's a movie called Ricochet. Look it up. He's a cop on the edge trying to defend his family against a madman. How can you not root for him? John Lithgow's line, just to bring it back full circle to dog hospice and gross-ass shit, 
John Lithgow's line in that movie as the villain, as the psycho 80s over-the-top villain, to Denzel Washington, no, it's not to, it's to a parole officer, I believe, is he says, when he, what are you going to do when you get out of here? Remember, John Lithgow's crazy. <clears throat> He's 80s crazy. What am I going to do when I get out of here? I think I'm going to visit your house. Then I'm going to fuck your wife. Maybe your daughter. Hell, maybe even your dog. That's, a, that's one line from John Lithgow in that fucking movie. That's one line from John Lithgow. What am I going to do when I get out of prison? I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to fuck your wife. I'm going to fuck your daughter. Hell, maybe even your dog. That's one line from that movie. <laughs> Watch it. It's a great fucking flick. <laughs> hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your dog. Well done. Sierra brought it back to another meme. Can you tell that I love the live shows and I don't want them to end as we start moving out of material yet? Because you guys tell you need to bring more fans. You need to bring more money. You need to bring more requests. Because I don't want to do it. We've only got two more rock This is pretty much the only time that I like attention. Isn't that fucked up? I keep stalling for time, so I might as well just get into it. I don't like attention normally. This is the only time in my life. Not, not live shows on Discord, but when I'm on stage, and it's me, and I'm improvising, is the only time I've ever fully enjoyed attention. Not sex one-on-one. -on -one. I know, it's horrible. I've had to get over it, lots of therapy. Not praise, not DMs. This is it. This is, this is the only time when people are out there, and I'm like, please pay attention to me. Please pay attention to me. I become Jeb Bush. Please clap. How do I like it? I love it. I love it. There is something so powerful. It's so scary for you guys to talk to people at all. It's so scary for people to do public speaking at all. It's not for me. And it's so scary for people to be honest, and it's not hard for me. And I love doing both. I love it. And then to get that praise for something that other people can't do in their lives. People can't do what I'm doing right now, which is just speaking to you. I'm just talking to you guys. I'm just, this is just me. I'm in a good mood and I love hanging out with you guys. And I love this quote unquote shift every Friday night. I look forward to it. And a lot of people, they can't ever get here in their whole life. And I take such pride and I take such pleasure and I take such joy and then I've gotten to pay my fucking medical bills and keep my lights on when I was sick because I can do it and you like it and you come back for it again and again. So yeah, I really do like this part of it and I really can't wait to feel this comfortable singing, getting closer, dancing on stage, doing whatever the fuck I want. However I want to entertain you, in brief instances from a stage, whatever that stage is, whether that stage is a Discord server or physical, and you know that that's what I'm there for. I'm there to be there, to entertain you, and to get your attention. Because I don't want your attention normally. Even when I'm making jokes and even when I'm having fun. Unless, unless I specifically say afterwards, okay, I don't. I'm interacting with you, and I don't want you to think I want you to look away like I'm a ghost or Medusa or you'll melt. But I'm not there for attention. And I don't like it. 
I'll deal with it, but I don't like it. I don't understand the big deal. But right now, I totally understand the big deal. I can do all the other things that I do, and then I come on stage and I can do this, and I'm me, and I'm here, and I don't have to be Axl Rose, and I don't have to put on a fucking mask, like figuratively. Literally, I may have to because I'm so shy about how I look. And because it's so much better if you don't know, even if you find me very handsome. And, 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 and. Death dog is one of my eyes. I don't mask. It's very complicated. It's very psychological. I'm, I'm working on it. My therapist is trying to get me out of it. What do you mean I'm too closed off? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Uh... I don't know how you can say that the armor is aggressive. By definition, armor is defensive. You're making a fool of yourself. <laughs> but I can do everything that I do in all the ways that I attract you, and then I can step on stage. Because, you know... If I played Fortnite from from the day I was born until now, if I got that head start, I still wouldn't be the best at Fortnite. Right? But a lot of people who play Fortnite, I'm not trying to diss them. This isn't a video game stream thing. This is an identity thing. A lot of people who do something like that well, in front of people, they get addicted to it. It becomes a part of them. It becomes their identity. And they're, they don't like it. They like how it makes them feel. When I'm on stage, when I'm performing with you guys, as I work towards it, as I try and shake my ass in the mirrors, as I, as I try and figure out how to not eat brownie batter before a live show so I can put on an even better one, um, I love this. It's real. I've been learning how to sing for this. I've been getting in shape for this. I've been putting off pizza and burritos for this. I don't know when. I don't know where. I'm going to try like fucking hell to make it next year. I really am. Everything I've got really working. I've been over since Allie's gotten back. We've done two different sit-downs, two different big businessy sit-downs about what the end of the year looks like and what 2020 looks like going forward. Money-wise, expectation-wise, day-in, day-out-wise. And I'm there <clears throat> doing that part of the job that I don't like. Not because Allie, not because of anything Allie, because I don't like telling people what to do. I don't like being told what to do, and I don't like telling people what to do, even if it's good for them. I don't. I do it when I have to, but I don't like it. <clears throat> but I'm there, and I've got the energy. I've had the energy for a couple of months now, so it's time to fucking use it. It's time to figure it out. It's only in June of this year, it's only in June of 2019, that I started saying, I feel good. Hello, come here. Come and say hello. It's only in the last couple of fucking weeks that I've pinned tweets and said, come in and say hello. It's only in the last 60 days that I started responding to every email or every DM like, hey, you told me this one story about a blue wolf and a brown wolf. Can you link me that? Yeah, sure. No problem. That doesn't hurt anymore. That doesn't take too much energy anymore. You got it. Thank you for being a fan. Now I can see that second part. Thank you for being a fan. 
Because when you're really sick and you're really tired and you're really hurt physically and emotionally, it's hard to see the thank you part. I know you know what I mean when you're sick. Gratitude leaves the body as pain enters it. For all but the best of us. And it turns out I wasn't one. And I'm pretty okay with that too. Maybe I don't need to be the best at everything all the goddamn time, huh? Maybe it's okay that I was cranky when I was all pained up, too. So, it's really only in the last 90, 100 days that I've been fucking kicking ass in my own mind. It's really only four fucking days since I said you are a good tree. Plant some more seeds. Trim some more bad branches. It really is fairly recent. I don't know when. I don't know where. I promise you. I love this. I know how rare what I can do is, and I love it. I just have to figure out a way to do it so that it's not an obligation. Because, you know, I used to really love David Crosby. I'm going to get some cheers for that, no doubt, especially with how fucking urban this crowd is. But I used to really love David fucking Crosby. Look it up, curls, especially those of you who don't know who he is. It's okay. He's a joke now. And I used to listen to his music, and I used to really fucking love him. I did. But then David Crosby said for the second time when I was like listening to interviews, just the second time I happened to hear him go, God, I fucking hate touring. I only do it for the fucking money. And the first time he said it, I forgave him. But the second time he did, I just couldn't let it go. It was a long time ago, but I just... I can't see him the same way. He's not the same musician to me now. I don't understand a musician who tours when he doesn't have to. Just stop spending the money, dude. I've seen your Spotify streams to this day. You're doing fine. Buy less. <laughs> Downgrade your fucking house. Don't put on a show you don't want to put on. And I say all that so I'll never be anybody's David Crosby. I already am right now because I yell at people sometimes when they piss me the fuck off. And I'm doing everything I can to downgrade that. But besides that, I don't want to ever put on a show where you're wondering, is he here out of obligation? I'm never going to fucking Rihanna anybody in my goddamn life because Rihanna Rihanna'd me, okay? I'm never coming out drunk 30 minutes on stage. It's never fucking happening. I'll never forget it. I know you wouldn't either. So I just have to figure out the way to take all the things I love, the way to present all the, the things you love about me, and put that into these live shows. Because this is where I love the attention, and this is where I love the praise, and this is where I do things that are me, that other people can't do, that can't be imitated. I'm not trying to be rude or egotistical about that one. I get imitated a lot. And not only do I get imitated, I get imitated by people who aren't as good and who make more money than me because they're willing to do a lot of fucking janky fucking shit that I'm not. No one ever heard the words boyfriend experience before I wrote them because I wrote them because I came up with it because I read an article called the girlfriend experience because I read. Go ahead. Try and Google it. Feel free. So, 
I've known that that's what's out there, and that's who's out there, and that's what else is out there, and that's what I'm up against this whole time. I've had no illusions. I just wanted to beat it in my own way. I just wanted to have fun doing it. You have very, very little time in this life, and you have so little of it that you can spend as yourself. But both of those yous were for you, not for me. Because I made a choice a long time ago that I was going to be me, and the rest of you were going to have to come along or not. You have yet to make that choice for you in your life. So, that is a long rant to talk about how I'm feeling powerful, why I love this, why I'm doing this out of nowhere. I just don't want to go yet. Started the show a little bit late and I don't want to go yet. But do I feel everything I just said? 100%. And if that last part stung about saying that you're not living life for you, if that stings, don't worry. It's not like I was born with the talent. It's not a fucking skill set I got one day for leveling up. You have the capacity. One day at a time. All right, I lied. I did get it from leveling up. Do you know how many XP hobos are? And there's a lot of homeless camps around. You can just all day, just box them all day, another one will come out. Da 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 na 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 I would do jokes like that before Scott Pilgrim. People thought they were funny. I'd do jokes like that after Scott Pilgrim. People go, you're ripping off Scott Pilgrim. I assure you, Scott Pilgrim did not rip me off. He did not take jokes from a guy in the southwest of, of, of America as a Canadian and implement them. We were just doing the same kinds of jokes, the same kind of what if life was like an RPG, you fucking nerd. I promise this will be the last of it before I get to the audio. What if life was like an RPG, you fucking nerd? <clears throat> All right. Bottom of my heart. I just did a big raw, 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 and that's very emotional for me. So you want to take one thing away from that, especially if you skipped ahead, those of you home listeners. Uh, the thing of it is, is however you want to give me attention in whatever media or whatever time, you should do it. You should try it. And I don't, I can't promise you a success, but I'm tired of warning people away because I might hurt them. I'm going to try very hard not to hurt you because I'm trying very hard not to hurt anybody. But we're open for business if you're hearing this. We're not saying that to the world yet, me and Allie, because I'm just not comfortable yet, still figuring some things out. But if you can hear this, we're open for business. I'm open for business. You can tell me what you want to tell me. You can send it. You don't have to worry about hurting my feelings. And if you offend me, I'm pretty good at counting to five these days. I need to learn to count to ten because my six is still too hot. So we need to start trying elevens. But I will count. <laughs> Again, I promise, this is the last thing. We're moving right in. I'm pulling it into it. It's one of my favorite sentences that's said in all of the Blizzard gaming universe. It comes from the tank driver in StarCraft. 
and drives a tank, so of course everything he says is from a tank driver's perspective. If you piss him off, he says, what did you just say to me? How about you take about 50 steps back and then say that to my face again? Which is the perfect philosophy of a tank driver. You can get mad at somebody, and you can be able to blow them to hell, but you have to be able to figure out when and where that's acceptable, given your ballistical range. So I'm really just going to, okay, let's just... Just trying to focus on the calculus so there's no surrounding damage, and it's just like those first 17 years of drone strikes. Don't worry, we're just working out the kink for the 18th, and that's going to work perfectly. Here we go. After all of that, even, even less erotic than dog hospice, I have to say. Here we go. <clears throat> Stories. Because once I read them, you're going to leave me, and then I'm all alone. My phone vibrates in my pocket as I secure the last buckle on pet's restraints. I check the message confirming it is what I have been waiting for. My gaze travels from the bare restrained foot in front of me up over the naked perfection that is my wife. Arms and legs stretch out towards the four corners of the bed, blindfolded and relaxed as she waits for our night. To continue. Pat, I need to step out of the room to answer this message. Yes, sir. Tonight, we're going to play out one of my fantasies from the list. Do you remember everything on it? Yes, sir. Are there any you are no longer comfortable with? Are any sending you to red? Tonight. She's quiet for a moment, mentally reviewing my list one by one, making sure it is truly comfortable with what will be required of her, should I choose a particular one tonight. No, sir. I'm comfortable with everything that is on the list. I bend forward and place a gentle kiss just below her belly button before turning to walk away swiftly from the room. I close the door quietly behind me while Pet is blindfolded. Her other senses will be more acute, and I don't want her to overhear anything. I move through the house to the front door where our guest is for the evening, waits patiently. Ash. I greet him quietly, opening the door to let him in. Marcus. He nods as he steps past me. As I close and lock the doors, I can hear him shuffling nervously behind me. Ash has been a close friend of mine for most of my life. He also has a soft spot for my wife. He's never crossed the line, but I've seen him watching her. It's only glances here and there, but I want, I see the want in his eyes, the need. That is why I chose him to help fulfill this fantasy. I pause before we head upstairs. There's one point I need to make sure we are on the same page with. There's one rule we must agree before we set foot in that bedroom. Jess, 
is not. No, you are there. You are to make. Uh, you are not to make a sound. You will be exposed to a side of us that we keep very private. But I know I can trust you to handle that revelation with the respect our lifelong friendship deserves. When we walk through the door, you are to touch no one but yourself. I hold his gaze steadily, reassuring myself he understands the level of trust I place in him. Of course, Marcus. You know I would never do anything to hurt you or Jess. Accepting his response with a nod, we head upstairs to where Jess is waiting. I open the door and lead Ash into the room. Pet is lying relaxed and resplendent on the bed. My adrenaline kicks in at the sight before me, and I distractedly point to the armchair I have set up next to our bed. It is positioned so Ash and Jess spread out in front of him like a sacrificial offering. I have placed him intentionally to her side, and there are some views that are mine alone. An unobstructed view of Pet's cunt is something I am not yet willing to gift another. Are you with me, Pat? I ask as I trail my fingertips from her toes to her hip. She jumps when I first make contact with her foot, but settles upon hearing my voice. Yes, sir, she whispers, her skin breaking out in goosebumps as I continue to slide my fingers up her side. She sivers and lets out a little moan as I, puss, as I pass the side curve of her breast. I bend and take her lips with mine, instantly losing myself in the taste of her. She's so responsive, her mouth opening just after contact, her tongue instantly there to greet mine. I hear the clinking of her restraints as her arms instinctively move to embrace me. A little groan of frustration slips from her throat. Pet, your body is mine, and I will move it how I wish. Yes, sir, she whispers. I place a gentle kiss on her lips and then move away again. A soft kiss to the lips, to the chin, a sucking pull to each side of her neck as I move down her body. I slide to the side so she is once again positioned between me and Ash. I lean forward to lean her nipple and suck it into my mouth. My eyes lift to where Ash is sitting. His eyes are fixated on where my mouth meets Pet's nipples, his face dark with lust and need, chest rising and falling with increased breathing, my already hard dick tightening even further at his intense concentration. This was my fantasy. To have someone watch me enjoy my pet, my wife, and to want her so badly that they had to struggle to control their body. But I know no one but me is ever going to touch her. All I want to do is push him even further. His eyes lift and clash with mine. I hold his gaze momentarily, but I slowly stroke my hand down her body. Ash's eyes cannot help but follow. His gaze is drawn to my hand, sliding down Pet's body, over her stomach, and delving into her exposed pussy. She is beautifully wet and dripping for me. <clears throat> I turn my attention back to Pet. Her breathing has kicked up a notch when my fingers brushed past her clit. 
Are you gonna purr for me, pet? Would you like me to dress these nipples up while I play with your pretty pussy? Yes. Please, sir. Comes her breathy reply. I remove my hands from her body to retrieve the clover clamps from our bedside drawer. These are heavy duty, but they are a current favorite of pets, and the clamps are all for her. I reap the benefit of being able to pull on the connecting chain while I work her pussy hard. With every tug of that chain, she gets that much wetter. Attaching the clamp now, pet, in three, two, one. I release my clasp on the clamp, and it bites tightly onto a nipple. Pet's back arches off the bed as the sensation of a low groan escapes from her. Now, again, pet, three, two, one. Her breath is now powering in and out of her nose. She clamps her mouth tight as she adjusts to the pain. I remove my hands completely from her breasts. She doesn't need them anymore. The clamps will keep them occupied while I focus on burying my face in her beautiful cunt. I flick a look to Ash to see if he's soaking everything in, his eyes staring hard at the clamps and the little pieces of tortured flesh protruding from their tips. His hand is at her crotch, guiding, his hand is at his crotch, grinding and massaging the growing erection through his jeans. All of this boosts my arousal and desire to show him how much more beautiful my pet can become. She exceeds past levels every time I am with her. She is beyond comparison. I slide down her body and position myself between her spread legs. Her scent is enough to drive a man wild, and I don't hesitate to bury my face. Mouth open, I kiss her, carefully tonguing her engorged lips and nuzzling the soft, downy hair of her mound. I hear a frustrated growl from the head of the bed. I know Pet prefers a stronger touch. But I do like to tease her. I increase the pressure and penetration of my tongue. My nose is pressed up against her clit, the additional pressure making her squirm. I reach my hand up her body, looking for the chain between her breasts. Once I have it in my grasp, I slowly pull my hand down. I can tell when the clamps start to pull on her nipples from the gush of fluid, gifted to my tongue. A primal growl is pulled from my chest, and I can give a sharp little pull on the chain in my hand. I move my mouth up her cunt to suck her clit, warm and wet and throbbing. Clamping it between my lips, I use the tip of my tongue to flick it mercilessly. I can hear Pet's noises all over the pulse beating through my ears. I'm dying to bury myself deep inside her, but she has to come first. I I will keep on flicking her clit with my tongue and tugging on the chain until she gives in, surrenders the orgasm I am craving. Finally, she speaks. Sir, can I please come? Begging, pleading. I wait for just that a bit longer before I answer her. Yes, my pet, come for me now. As I give her permission, I thrust two fingers deep inside her pussy. Her walls clamp down on my intruding digits, and she calls out through the orgasm. I greedily lap up the additional fluid flowing out around my fingers. 
Looking to the side of the bed, I see Ash has released his hard cock from his jeans and is stroking it steadily. I can see the sweat off his brow as he keeps a tight rein on his reactions. I honestly don't know how he's doing it. I know it was a requirement I sat down for him, but there's no way I could watch Pet restrained on a bed, nipples clamped and coming loudly without groaning out myself. Pulling my fingers free, I raise them to my mouth and savor her flavor as I move back up her body. She's breathing hard in the aftermath of the orgasm. Are you ready for me to fuck you now, Pat? Oh, yes, sir. Please fuck me. Open your mouth, Pat. As she obediently opens her mouth, I lift the chain of her clamps and place it between her teeth. You are to hold on to this until I remove it again. I rise from the bed and quickly remove my clothes, grappling my straining dick to give it a couple of firm strokes as I move to the foot of the bed and admire the perfection of my gorgeous, submissive wife. I look to Ash to see his gaze fixed on Pet's face. The chain of the clamps looks stunning, pulling down the corners of her mouth. Ash's dick is straining within his grasp as he's stroking to increase in speed. I'm not sure if he's going to last much longer, and honestly, I don't really care at the moment. I need to be buried inside Pet, knowing that he is sitting there wishing he was me, about to fuck this exquisite creature spread out before us. It is nearly pushing me past my limits. Kneeling on the bed between her thighs, I lift her hips and position myself against the lips of her slick, Pussy, I am so hard I don't need a hand to guide myself in. Watching my head disappear inside her, I look up to see her face and thrust firmly. She grunts around the chain in her mouth as I bottom out, grinding my pubic bone against her clit. I pause, savoring the warmth and tightness of her cunt. Pulling out again, I set up a steady rhythm of strong, ferociful thrusts. I hit my hips, slamming into the insides of her thighs. She will feel me from here to the next couple of days, and she will remember this every time she gets a twinge in a tender muscle. Her moaning, which have become steady, and drawn out around the chain in her mouth have started to quiet down, even though those clamps are still tugging on her nipples with the rhythm of my thrusts. Pet goes very internal as she approaches orgasm. The quieter she becomes, the more intense the sensation is becoming. I can feel her internal muscles clenching, fighting to hold my dick each time. I begin to withdraw it. Bet when you're ready, you may come, I instruct her, releasing, realizing there's no way of asking for permission or disobeying because of holding the chain. I reach up and take hold of both clamps, preparing to release them. I'm going to release them now, pet. Now, three, two, one. As I reach the count of two, pet inhales deeply and then releases it steadily as I count three and release the pressure on her nipples. Her whole body tightens, and the looming orgasm powers through her body. I stay buried deep inside her as her entire body stiffens and claps down on me. I hear a slight noise from the side, and I look over to see Ash coming all over his exposed stomach. The visual simulation of the dual orgasms in conjunction with being able to feel pet is more than I can handle. 
I resume thrusting, and within moments, I am coming so hard, the world flashes white all around me. I fall forward, covering Pet with my body and burying my face against her neck. I take a moment to gain control of my breathing and to relish the state of bliss such an intense orgasm leaves you in. I sense movements to the side of me, and I lift my head to see Ash heading toward the bedroom door. He closes it silently behind him, and I reach up to remove the chain from Pet's lips, releasing her from her stains. As I move to remove her blindfold, she stretches her arms above my head. Mm. She breathes. Ash always smells so nice. Private Audience by Annabelle Lee. <clears throat> and if you think I'm sexy, if you think I'm strong, this is where the tip link gets posted along and you can pay me. Oh, you can pay me. If you like the way I ramble, like the way I sing, don't focus on the second, focus on the talking. You can pay me. Oh, you can pay me. <laughs> Just remember, Ali is only so breathlessly demanding that you guys approve me, approve of me and pay me and all the rest, because uh, otherwise she dies. So. I want to get enough employees that I can just bring them to the live shows. Just make them come, and they'll fill up the audience, and they have to pay me. I'll pay them in salary. But then I'll always have a filled live show. I know why Trump does it. I'm not against it, in theory. I also want to say more people were inside my audience on Twitter than ever before. Like, even if it's like a theater that holds 150 people, I want to be like, 4,000 people saw me last night, all of them cheering, most of them topless. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, don't actually, I think we've talked about, we haven't talked about this in a while. Don't give me your panties. Just before we go into this last erotic piece, our final goodbye for the evening. Never under any circumstances, give me your panties. If I want your fucking panties, I'll say, give me your fucking panties. But until I say those words to you, under no circumstances, do I want your fucking panties. I don't want to see them. I want to oh, I do want to see them in pictures. Hold on. Hold on. I absolutely want to see them in pictures, especially like this one time. I'm just going to say it was adorable. I asked a younger lady of the night. I didn't know she was younger. Don't worry. She was legal. This isn't a Michael Jackson story. Hold on. I asked her to show me her panties. And as so many do, she went, oh, I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I'm there yet. And I said, as I always do, trying to be charming, bitch. I didn't say I need to see the panties on your body. Just show me some panties that you wear. In all seriousness, I'm a little bit softer than that. I am, well, why don't you take your panties off, put them on the bed, take a picture of the panties on the bed, and then put them back on. And they're like, ah! Ah! 
if they if they don't know how to flirt. If that's the most exciting thing that's happened to them yet, they get that instruction like, "Oh my god, I'm being dumped It's just like 50 And I've done this move, I don't know, for a decade now. For a decade now, women have been sending me shots of them. And I'll be like, but I want to see this part of you instead. And they'll be like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that part of you. And I'll be like, why don't you do this? And then two or three days later, there's their naked ass fucking body on my fucking screen. Okay? I don't get it either. But they've always been able to do it. And that's just how it works. So recently, I asked a younger lady to show me her fucking panties then. She said she wasn't comfortable showing me the panties on her body. And I said, well, just, they don't have to be on your body. Just show me your panties. And she literally sent me a picture of her perfect bed, bath, and beyond, en moi, drawer combo, with the drawer opened up, and just dozens of pairs of her panties. As though, as though, as though it was a survey. <laughs> and I gotta say, not only did I enjoy it, but I looked at all the panties and I was like, I bet there's a real good pussy in here. I mean, if, if she's, if she, I mean, granted, this is not the granny panty drawer, but this is a pretty... There's some there's there's a there's a vaginal hubris that I'm detecting from all of these royal blue hues and uh I'm into it. <laughs> Cuz some every girl owns a nice pair of panties, I think, just about. And most girls, most gals, most ladies, they own I don't know, 3 to 5. So once you're up to 20 really nice pairs of panties, which is what this gal was at, I'm like, I bet there's a nice pussy involved. I mean, who else is asking for the 13th pair of nice panties except a really nice pussy? <laughs> Have I seen that pussy yet? That is for me to know and for you to always wonder about. I wrote that line recently and I'm never going to stop using it. I wrote it and as soon as I did I went, Yahtzee. Got it. Out by five. <clears throat> How much does a baby polar bear weigh? Anybody? How much does a baby polar bear weigh? Don't you want to find out the answer in our last story tonight? Let's sit back. Let's relax. And let's just have a nice time. <clears throat> the smoky voice came somewhere from behind me. I set my drink down on the bar and took a deep breath. There was a ball of frustration churning in the pit of my stomach, leftovers from a hellish day at work. Lord help the man who dared disturb me before my first drops of martini hit my lips. I crossed my legs and plastered on my best fuck-off look as I swiveled towards my bar stool. By the time my eyes finished their journey up a chest molded after a Grecian god and landed on a face that made my heart falter in its primary function, the look had slipped away. 
I was met with full lips quirked amidst a dusting of a five o'clock shadow. Eyes of a startling sapphire blue held mine from beneath a sweep of unruly black hair. Behind my eyes, an image of his lips traveling over the skin of my stomach flashed. I can almost feel the rasp of his whiskers against my flesh. And I swallowed hard. How much does a baby polar bear weigh? I parroted in response. Heat jetted down my limbs when his smile grew wider. Well, they weigh just enough to break the ice. He held out a hand. Hi, I'm Jace McPherson. Helpless to his charm, I grinned back and placed my hand in his. His grip was firm. <clears throat> in breaking with the norms of a handshake, his thumb lingered, rubbing the inside of my wrist. Electricity cracked up my arm. Harper Smith. I suppressed a shiver and added, Congratulations, Jace McPherson. Congratulations? A midnight brow arched in question. Yes, you've just won the award for the worst pickup line of the year. He considered for a moment, white teeth sinking into a kissable bottom lip, otherworldly eyes narrowing. I began to ache just watching that mouth. Ah, the coveted WPLY. He grinned. I'm both incredibly honored and adequately humbled. I couldn't stop the thirsty laugh that bubbled almost unrecognizable from my chest. I leaned forward in my seat, a flush rising above the V of my blouse. Jace's eyes traveled over the exposed flesh, heating it like a torch. I squirmed in my seat. Jace didn't miss my unease. A flash of desire darkened his eyes, and he took a small step forward. I realized our hands were still clasped. Join me for a drink. Mm, I'd love to. I began to turn back towards the bar, but he pulled me to my feet. He was tall. Even in my heels, my nose came only up to the hollow of his throat. There was a spicy, natural male smell to his skin. I wobbled, the potent combination of desire and alcohol causing my head to swim. Author's note, she just said she hadn't gotten her first martini. <clears throat> God damn it. Don't take me out of it. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> I thought he got her drunk. God damn it. I'm with Jace. Let's get this bitch. I have a table over there. He inclined his head towards one of the dark private alcoves. Huh. I looked up at him through my lashes. I thought those were reserved for the very important and wealthy. He just smiled and cupped my elbow in his palm, steering me through the crowd of bodies congealing at the bar. Those things usually go hand in hand. His lips skimmed the curve of my ear when he leaned down to speak over the music and incited a wave of goosebumps over my body. The night was ramping up. It was Friday in Vancouver, and all around us people shed their severe weekday facades began oozing energetic excitement at the week's end. Allow me to welcome you to my establishment. 
He gestured wide to the room with a flourish of his arm, narrowly missing a female patron who cast a dirty look. The glare fell away as quickly as mine had when she looked at him. Jace didn't seem to notice. I looked up at him, surprised. You own this place? Mm. He poured his lips still against my ear. My eyes started to roll back in my head at the sensation of his breath on my neck, the hand with which he steered me across the crowded floor migrated from my elbow to my hip. The heat of his skin was seeping through the material of my high-waisted pencil skirt, an image of Jace on his knees before me, pushing the skirt up around my waist, flashing through my overzealous imagination, and my step faltered. Jace's body collided with mine, both his hands settling on the waist to steady us. He led me all the way to the table with a gold-plated reserve sign in the middle and stood back so I could slide into the leather booth. He then followed me, his muscular length of his thigh settling against mine. With a wave of his hand, he signaled for drinks. So, <clears throat> I turned towards him leaving my leg where it was. Why would a guy like you feel a need to break out what could only be called the most ridiculous pickup line I've ever heard? Jace shrugged with a broad shoulder. Isn't that what guys do? I lifted my glass to my lips, relishing my heady warmth of my booze against my tongue. Setting Jace over the rim for a moment, I swallowed and set the glass on the coaster. Uh, in my limited experience, rich... Drop-dead gorgeous men who own beautiful bars in the heart of the city are usually above the questionable standards of regular pickups. Some of the playfulness left his blue eyes. He tipped his head, watching me through a frame of ink-black lashes. He looked sad. Or maybe a little lost. I wanted to make you smile. I did so then, allowing the magnetic pull of him to tug me closer. Mission accomplished. Thank you for distracting me. I'm good at distracting. He winked, another move that should come across skeezy, but instead made my stomach flip. So, were you? Sad? <clears throat> no. I shook my head, causing the long strands of my hair to slip down around my face. Only stressed. I'm here on business, and today was a long, long one, to put it lightly. Do you get to enjoy the weekend now? Yes. I fly home to Victoria on Sunday. One corner of his mouth curved. So, no bedtime curfew tonight, then. I dampened my bottom lip with my tongue, and my eyes are trapped with movement lingering on my mouth. No bedtime, I answered. Jace had his arm slung around the back of the booth. At my words, he slipped his hand forward, tangling his fingers in the loose knot that held back my hair. I shivered. Your hair reminds me of coffee. I couldn't help it. I snorted. Coffee? Jace grinned. When he smiled, the business mogul's sex appeal fell away and left him a boyish rogue, teasing in a way I found utterly endearing. 
I was enjoying his company more than I expected. I would sleep with him tonight. That was a given. My body had been tingling with anticipation since I had laid eyes on him. There was no sense denying it. But I was also enjoying the opening acts, the enticing wait, the slow unwinding of desire before the night to come. Coffee. Dark, delicious, wonderful to wake up to. I laughed out loud, and Mr. Cheesy knocks another one at the park. His toying fingers journeyed their way through my hair to find my sensitive patch of skin below my ear. He didn't need for a moment, only stroking his fingers up and across, staring into my face as my breath shuddered and my lips parted. You have a gorgeous smile. I'll throw out every ridiculous line in the book if it means getting that smile out of you. He tipped his body closer, fingers laving off their play to curve around the back of my neck to guide me to meet him. <clears throat> Besides, he adds, his breath playing across my moist lips, just because it was corny doesn't mean it wasn't also true. I closed the gap between us, brushing my lips across his feather soft. His breathing skips. The hand on my neck tightens as he pulls the rest of the way against me. My nipples were hard at the press of his chest against mine, and I whimper into his mouth. He kisses me as if we have all the time in the world. His tongue flicks my lips, and I demand entrance, acquiescence, meeting him with enthusiasm that drew a moan from us both. I own the whole place. He said in my mouth, I blinked at him. Sorry? Not just the bar. The hotel, too. Slowly, his meaning began to pierce the haze of my need-muddling thoughts. So you could take me to a room, I said. It wasn't as a question. He nodded without taking his eyes off my lips. Searching fingers found the hem of my skirt and began to track upwards across the bare legs. My body twitched, desperate for more of his touch. Reaching down between my knees, I pressed his hand up against my fingers, cupped my lace-clad mound. The thin panties were then through, and at the feel of them, Jace growled. Not just a room. I can show you my room. Dizzy from the pressure of his hand on me, I answered with a groan. Jace slid from the booth, his fingers hot in mine, as he pulled me after him. Once we were on our feet, he crushed me against his body. His erection pressed into my abdomen, and I raised myself to the tips of my toes, lining our, hopes up, our hips up, pushing back into him. He grabbed and buried his face in my neck, his teeth nipping at my sensitive skin. Now, he ground out, before I forget, people are watching. 
He spun me, large hands splayed across my hips, and began to maneuver me through the thickening crowd. Jace pushed me open the door to the suite and ushered me and ushered me inside in a flurry of desperate kisses. A wall met my back and he didn't miss a beat. His fingers scooped under my ass cheeks, hefting me upwards. I wrapped my legs around his waist, my head thumping to the frame of a painting as I flung it back, exposing my neck to his raking teeth. You are so fucking sexy. He growled into my collarbone, kissing and kissing. His lips brand every exposed piece of flesh that he could seek out. I wanted you the moment I saw you sitting there at the bar. So serious, nursing that martini. I wanted to muss you up. He braced me with my thighs, punning me to the wall, yanked my blouse out and my skirt as he said it. I wanted to be the one to dishevel you, pull your hair out from that bun, and spread it all around your naked breasts. Do it. I challenged, nipping at his bottom lip when he bent his head to kiss mine. He allowed me to drop to the floor then, sliding through the length of his body. When I was on my feet, he kept my back to the wall and began to push the pins from my hair, dropping them to the floor, one by one. My trembling fingers reached up from the bottom of his shirt, but then he pushed his hands away and went back down, back to work on my hair. When it was loose, he worked his fingers through it, spreading it around my face, my neck, tracing the snaking strands down over my chest with his fingers. I arched into his touch, needing more, relishing his teasing, needing more. Please, I whispered, I want to touch you. Jace grinned and kissed my mouth, nipping at the bottom lip before his tongue sought mine out. I scarcely noticed his hand on my own shirt until his fingers skimmed up my stomach and fireworks ignited inside me. First you. I want to see you just like this. I was worried when you let your hair down it wouldn't be long enough. But it is. It's perfect. He slid a hand up between my back and unclasped my bra, kissing newly exposed breasts as he eased the straps down. Once I was naked from the waist up, he positioned my hair in waves covering my breasts and then stroked until my throbbing nipples peeked through the strands. Finally, my knees began to shake. He bent and pulled each hand and nub into his mouth in turn. I moaned, digging my fingers into my own thick hair, working, watching as my flesh left the mouth pink and glistening. I want you, I panted, pushing both palms against the expanse of Jace's chest. I managed to move him back before he could object. I dropped to my knees in front of him and yanked his neatly tucked out shirt free from his trousers. With a groan of triumph, I ran my hands over the ridges of his abs. He shuddered at my touch. When I used my nails, dragging them over the taut skin, he quickly covered and flexed. Jace hissed and sunk his hands into my hair. Take it off, I commanded, yanking at the hem of his shirt, the fingers of my other going to his belt buckle. The shiny leather pulled free, and I pulled back his fly. The rock-hard length strained in the zipper. Letting the nails of my pointer finger scrape along his legs, I pulled his pants down. I still wore my skirt, but beneath it, I was soaked through my panties, my thighs slipping against each other as I moved. 
He stood before me then in tight black box of briefs as I sat back on my haunches a moment to drink in the sight of him. Jay McPherson took my breath away. Settling myself before him, I hooked my fingers into the waistband of his underwear and tugged them down. I longed to yank and set him free so I could touch and taste him. But he had teased me so deliciously, I indulged my whims by returning the favor. You look incredible before me like that, with your skirt and your heels. His words ended on a shivering note that I, at last, did with his boxers. I want to be inside your mouth. I stared up at him from my place on the floor, his thick cock straining towards my lips. Without breaking eye contact, I blew a gentle breath of air across the tip where the bead of liquid gathered. Jace's lips parted, the hand in my hair drawing tight. Please, he grasped. I took one hand from where it had been clutched his thigh and wrapped my fingers around the base of him. Still... Looking up at him, I ran him along my lips once, twice, and then began to draw circles with my tongue. Ah, fuck! His thighs flexed as he braced himself, that guiding hand still tangled in my hair. I pulled him into my mouth, taking as much of him as I could. For a few moments he remained still, emitting swear words of gasps and air, but I could sense a wildness building him, stark, animalistic energy colliding in his muscles and gathering in the air around us. I unwrapped my tongue around his cock and drew it up, like licking the melting ice cream from around the base of a cone, and Jace came undone. That hand that he had secured pulled me backwards, left my mouth with a wet pop. Then I was on my back on the plush carpet, staring up at a stark white band of crown molding while Jace was shoving my skirt up around my waist. He threw my high-heeled feet over my shoulders, over his shoulders, and without preamble tore my lace underwear apart in one rip. I gasped in shock as his head fell between my thighs, and then his hot tongue lapped across my wet pussy. I cried out at the rush of it. He went to work on my body with a single-minded determination. Any and all teasing was over. Before I knew what was happening, my body was turning itself into liquid. Oh, my God. I gasped, back arching off the floor. I'm going to... The words trailed off into a wordless cry as I came against his mouth. Every muscle in my body contracted as wave after wave broke over me, turned and melted butter as I fell back to the floor, liquid heat dripping over my thighs and bum. My racing heart couldn't slow. Jace allowed me no time to recover. With a devilish look, he dangled the scrape of lace that he had been panties in front of me. I want to tie you up with these. I tipped my chin. What did you say? Mm, please. He purred. I shriveled. You may. He flipped me onto my stomach with rough hands and pulled my arms up behind my back. 
back. Soft material wrapped around my wrists, I groaned at the sheer fucking sexiness of it, at the anticipation that made post-orgasmic limbs begin to tremble anew. Leaving my heels on, Jace tugged my skirt off. I heard it hit something as he flung it away, aside from the red pumps. I was bare before him, trussled up and helpless. I had never been so turned on in my life, and I told him so. Without warning, his palm came down from my ass with a smack, and then he was against me, pushing inside the wet clench of my body, filling me, the carpet muffling me as I cried out. Good girl. He held himself still, waiting as my body adjusted to the weight and girth of him. When I began to squirm, seeking more, he tugged me against my thighs, angling his hips up. I sobbed, face down, pulled back as I was, meant that the head of his erection rested against my G-spot. I shimmied a bit, letting my ass cheeks jiggle as I drank in the delicious sensation of him pulsing inside of me. Oh, shit. Do that more. I will come before either of us is ready. Jace seized one of my ankles to steady me, or him. I wasn't sure. I shook my ass once more to remind him that he wasn't entirely in control. He let out a groan that seemed to come from the bottom of his soul. You naughty girl, he muttered. The sound of his voice tugged something deep inside me, releasing a rush of liquid around his cock. Jace chuckled. You like it when I talk dirty to you, don't you? Don't you? I moaned and nodded, the carpet rough against my flushed cheek. Good. My dirty little slut, I'm going to fill you up with hard cock until you scream. Every word was accentuated with hard thrusts. Sparks and tingles rushed over the backs of my legs, through my ass cheeks, settling low inside my belly. My clit was still throbbing from my first orgasm he'd given me, and it was intensifying once more, brimming up inside. One of Jace's hands was planted between my shoulder blades, pinning me down. The other was wrapped around my bound ankles. He was breathing, shuddered into his cot, his rhythm losing some of its punishing steadiness turned more frantic. He plunged then, seizing me by both hips, and came with a tearing gasp. I cried out, following him down, my body clenching around his until we both collapsed into the floor. Jason's weight pinned me down, forced what little air I had left from my lungs, but I was reluctant to push him off. I turned my face to the side, trying to look at him. It felt more comfortable and somehow normal to have his body crushing mine. But at last, my lungs screamed for air. Can't breathe. I hissed. Shit. Sorry. He rolled away, and my lungs inflated. AC cold air rushed across the sweat-slick skin of my back. Jace watched as I flipped over, his eyes taking in my nakedness. A mischievous upturn began at the corner of his lips. I like that you aren't shy, he said, reaching out to run a fingertip from the deep crevice between my breasts all the way up to my navel, which he poked gently and smiled. I can't stand it when a woman gets up and covers herself instantly. I had been considering searching out my underwear, but the look in Jace's eyes stirred a wildness in me embodying not only the ache persisting between my legs, but 
an unfamiliar need to be with somebody else with the night for the night. No, not someone else, just myself, completely myself. When had that ever happened with anyone, let alone a stranger? Jace yawned and slipped an arm under my head, pulling me to his shoulder. Below the layers of skin and muscle, sinew and bone, a heart slowed its frantic pace. So, he said, nuzzling into my hair, tell me what brought you to my town. Trysts and Tycoons by Ashlyn Rivers. A-S-H-L-Y-N-N Rivers, just like it sounds. Ashlyn Rivers, Trysts and Tycoons. And speaking of a tyconic tryst, one last link to the tips. In case you wish to make a tip typhoon in order to make me a tycoon. <laughs> Although I will not be buying a bar slash hotel in downtown Vancouver and having a six-pack. One or the other, not both. If I own a $1.4 million building, I'm not going to do as many sit-ups. You've heard it here first. I think that's a fair trade-off. You guys can decide what you want. I'm just being real with you. <sighs> well, we left it all on the floor tonight. A lot of emotions, a lot of jokes, some scheduled, some improv, a lot of poetry, some wonderful love letters. Great new girls came out tonight. I had a great time. I hope you all had a great time. I'm so glad you guys think so. From the bottom of my heart, for me and Allie, thank you guys very, very much. We've got our game plan for the rest of 2019. We're going to execute it. We're going to get on track. And you guys are going to love it. All the new girls who came out, thank you guys so much. Oh, I know, Felicia, but I do have to go. I'm not even going to say bye, Felicia, either. But I do have to go. So thank you very, 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 very much for coming out tonight. It means the world to me. It does. All you new girls saying hello. There will be a game stream tomorrow at the latest. Tomorrow night. 9 p.m. Eastern. Alien isolation. It's a lot of fun. We get scared of the alien and then we make fun that we got scared of the alien. Collectively. Uh, besides that, if that is too scary-wary for you, Monday the 9th, I don't know exactly when, sometime on Monday, I'm just going to start playing Slay the Spiders Beta Branch. And I plan on playing it all day. I'm not allowing myself any booze or any real rest or time off until I get it. And then I'm going to just have an amazing day with you guys playing that. Plan on going at least five hours, hopefully a bit longer than that. I'm really going to try and slay that spire, climb some ascension levels with that new character uh, with you guys there. Also planning another uh, gaming marathon, Tuesday the 17th, Hearthstone. Tomes of Terror. Tome of Terror. Tomes of Terror? Tome of Terror. I think it's probably just the one tomb. Probably just Tomb of Terror and not Tombs of Terror. And definitely not Tomes of Terror, which is what I was saying. Like I wasn't pronouncing the B at all. All right, guys. 
Thank you so much. I really had a lot of fun. I'm going to go chill out. We normally do uh, music, but Arya's out. So if you want to do music, come on down. I'll be in the music lounge, but you guys got to put them in. You guys got to pipe them in. I'll be there. I'm just going to make some chicken and taters, and then I'll be right on in with you guys in the next, I'd say, next 30 minutes, okay? Had a wonderful time. Thank you guys so much. Oh, I've been recording this whole time. So I'm definitely saying goodbye to the recording. You don't need to know I'm having chicken and taters or that we're about to listen to music. Thank you guys for listening at home. Bye.